Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, you can open up the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app, and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures right there on your screen. Wherever it is that you're watching us from, I love you, and I'm so grateful that you're part of our family. You know, before I was a pastor, I really wanted to be a football coach. In fact, Coaching was my minor in my undergrad, and I actually did it for a period of time, but it turns out I just wasn't very good at it. Like, I was good with the players. I just wasn't good with the strategy. Uh, There's a guy in the scriptures. His name is Paul. We just did a really long series on him. And Paul, he was a great coach. He was great at the strategy. He started churches all over the world. Then he coached the leaders, his spiritual sons and daughters, to help them stand on his shoulders and realize their spiritual dreams. And he did that by writing these beautiful letters. And in one of these letters in particular, he writes like a coach, and I love it. And the thing that he's coaching them on is the topic I want to talk about today in a message we're calling, I'm generous. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. Thank you that you are a generous God, so generous, beyond comprehension, beyond compare. And so today, God, I pray that your generous spirit would infect our spirit so that when we finish this, we'll be less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I am generous. And the biggest reason that I am is because I was coached to be coached by my dad, coached by Pastor Sonny's dad, coached by my pastor and spiritual father, the late Fulton Buntain. You know, as a coach goes, so a team goes. If the coach is sarcastic, his team will be sarcastic. If he's critical, they'll be critical. If he's affectionate, they'll be affectionate. And if he's generous, well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Some of the most influential men in my life have been coaches. I had a coach in college, for example, who told a girl that I was dating at the time that she should break up with me. And when she did, she said it was because my coach told her to. And, and he said I wasn't good enough for her. And when I tried to confront him, he said, yeah, I, I did say that because you're not. You're a scrub. I was furious. But you know what? He was right. And it prepared me for Pastor Sonny. He was honest and loving, and he was really generous. Uh, my freshman year, I, I had a teammate. His name was Bo. And, and Bo had um, a little bit of trouble with the law. It, it was prior to him being in college. But one of the things was is that he had to go back to his city, and, and he had to stand trial. And... Uh, neither one of us had a good running car. And so my coach, he loaned us his Ford Ranger pickup and we drove 
all the way to Casper, Wyoming. And uh, we went through the uh, trial proceedings and the things that needed to happen happened. And so then we drove all the way back and we got within 10 miles of the campus and a deer jumped out in front of this little Ford Ranger and we nailed that deer and smashed the side of our coach's pickup. And because we lacked integrity, we took the pickup to his house. It was like 1130 at night and we parked it there and turned the ignition off and dipped. We didn't even tell him that we hit a deer and he ended up having to file it with his insurance or pay for it, whatever that was. But because we lacked integrity, we ruined something that he owned. And what's interesting is he repaid my error by later when I messed up, putting his job on the line for me. He, he went to the president of the school and he said, I guarantee you this kid won't screw up one more time. And if he does, you can fire me. You know, the definition of the word coach is something that carries something of value from where it is to where it needs to be. As a dad, I feel like my biggest job is to coach my kids, to carry them from where they are to where they need to be. So I coach them on how they should think and act and speak. But most of all, I'm trying to teach them how to live like Jesus. Now, I love how Paul coaches his spiritual kids in the letter that we're talking about. He, while writing to the church in the city of Corinth, he says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, let me just show you two things about that verse, because first, the word grace here isn't the word grace like amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It's from the Greek word charis. It means a gift. It's an internal ability that wells up within you. And he's really doing two things here. He's reminding them of the gift that's within the Macedonian church, and he's provoking the Corinthian church to a little bit of competition. He's saying, hey, let me tell you how generous this other church was, because the Corinthian church was probably the wealthiest of the churches that Paul started. And so here's what he says about the Macedonian church. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. And only God can make you use those two words in the same sentence, joy and poverty. But these guys, they were fired up, even though they were the poorest of the churches that Paul started. Even though in the midst of their extreme poverty, they welled up with rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And so Paul's saying, listen, Corinthians, they blew us away when they gave their offering. We knew what they were capable of, but they went above and beyond entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. In other words, we tried to talk them out of it. We said, y'all, if anybody gets a pass, it's you. Let the other richer churches do it. But they begged us, they pleaded, now let us do it. And Paul was telling the Corinthians about this to show them what the heart of generosity looks like. Look at what's next. They exceeded our expectations. And I love this. They gave themselves. In other words, they weren't just writing checks, putting money in an offering bucket or giving on an app. They went beyond that. They gave themselves. And let me be clear. Generosity isn't just about giving money. Generosity is a lifestyle. It's everywhere you go, you give. You give compliments and kindness, encouragement, 
and hugs. And I know that we're supposed to be social distancing right now, but guys, there are some people in your life who you have proximity to who could just use a hug. You send texts or emails, notes. You bring donuts to work. You give your time and your talent, your ideas, your passion, and your sweat. And so you're thinking generously, so you're living generously. He said they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he'd earlier made a beginning, to also bring completion to this act of grace on your part. Now notice the competition that he stirs up in them. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in love, we've, we've kindled in you. Like he's saying, you guys are the best. So, so see that you excel in this grace of giving as well. And I love what he says next. I'm not commanding you. In other words, if this ever gets to a place where it's an obligation, if it gets to a place where you feel guilt or there's pressure on you, don't do it. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. Then he gives them the ultimate motivation. He's saying, let me remind you, for you know the grace of Jesus, who though he was rich, like had it all, he's in heaven, he's on a throne, gold streets, gates of pearls, living in complete luxury. Yet for your sake, he became poor, emptied himself, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Now, now just listen real quick, because this passage has been mistaught by so many preachers. So many pastors have taught, like, see, this, this is saying that God wants you to be rich. And I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to be rich, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying Jesus was the example of taking the wealth that he had and emptying himself to make the lives of others better. We're supposed to do the same. Look at the next verse. He's saying, let me give you some advice. Last year, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. But notice what he goes on to say. Now finish the work. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep making a difference in the lives of others. Why? So that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by the completion of it according to your means. Here's what he, he says in the end. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. In other words, if you get the heart right, God loves it. Which means God's more interested in the attitude than he is with the amount. He's saying if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. So let me give you five things I see in this text. Five ways to grow your generosity. Here's the first. Give joyfully. Y'all have fun doing this. Like go through the drive-thru, pay for the person behind you. Leave a really big tip for a server. Uh, give gifts in somebody's uh, mailbox. Give somebody a gift card randomly that maybe you don't even know them, but you just hand it to them. Do something for your neighbors. Bake cookies, send flowers. Or, or here's a, like a real tangible example. There's a guy who was at Walgreens and he was picking up a prescription. But when he got his total he had to walk away and call his wife to see which one was more important. While he was away on the phone, a guy snuck up and he paid. And when the guy came back and told the cashier, we'll take this one, but not that one, the cashier said, no, sir, it's been paid for. While you were off on the phone, some guy stepped up and, and he paid for it. 
Can you imagine the look on that dude's face? Like, wouldn't that be so fun? I want you to do stuff like that. I want you to enjoy doing this. Here's what Jesus himself had to say about it. It's more blessed. Now, the word blessed, it sounds so holy. It sounds so churchy, but, but you know what the word is? In the Greek, it's the word makarios. You know what it means? It means happy. Like the happiest person I know is the most generous. Jesus is saying, it's more happy to give than it is to receive. Second Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what you've decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. You know what the word cheerful is in the Greek? You ready for this? It's the word hilaros. It's where we get our word hilarious. That's what God wants for you to think, wasn't this fun for you to give joyfully. Here's the second thing I see is give selflessly. My favorite phrase in these scriptures is we've already read it. It's from verse five. It says, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And then by the will of God, also to us, they gave of themselves. And one of the reasons I love generosity, why I love giving tithes and offerings is because I feel like it's just a part of me. It's a part of who I am, giving selflessly. Like this is exactly what God did for you and me. When he was generous, he, he didn't give us a check. He gave himself. I mean, it's John three sixteen. Everyone knows this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He gave a gift of himself. And scripture says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What gift? himself. The Bible is filled with people who gave of themselves. And what if they hadn't? Like, have you ever thought, what if Noah said, I don't do boats? Or David said, I don't do giants? Like, what if Mary would have said, no, nah, I don't do virgin births? Or Paul would have said, I don't do letters. Aren't you grateful that Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses? And so I'm so grateful for people who decided to give selflessly. Here's a third one, give willingly. In other words, the only reason I'm giving is because I want to. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. And so as a pastor, I constantly have people ask me the tithing question and, and kind of, this is kind of how it goes. Isn't tithing like an Old Testament law or an Old Testament principle? And they're, what they're doing is they're looking for a loophole. They're looking for an out. And if I can just be totally clear and transparent, I can't tell you, you have to do it. Like we're not under the law. We're under grace. You're not obligated to fulfill that law. But when Jesus came, he didn't abolish the law. Like he didn't get rid of it. He, he changed the motivation for it. It went from an external obligation to an internal delight. So we still do it. We just do it out of a different motivation. It goes from a have to, to a get to. I get to give. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Matthew 5, 17. Jesus said, don't think I've come to abolish the law or prophets. I haven't come to abolish them. I've come to fulfill them. Like, maybe this will sound extreme, but can I just remind you that thou shalt not commit adultery as a law too? It's Old Testament. 
And I, I don't stick to it because it's written on a stone tablet or because I read it in Exodus 20. I'm faithful to Pastor Sonny because I'm in love with Pastor Sonny. So likewise, I don't give because God says I have to. I give because it's an expression of my love for him. And so because of my love, I give willingly. Here's number four, give thankfully. <laughs> Every time you show generosity, every time you give a tithe, every time you give an offering, it's an expression of worship. And so for me, when I go on the Life Church app and I give my tithe or, or I give my offering, it's me just saying, thank you, Jesus. I love you. I worship you, Jesus. I appreciate these gifts, this money that you've given to me. And the reason for that is because I'm still blown away that first of all, I'm saved. That second of all, he lets me have an intimate personal relationship with him. Like, are you kidding me? I know me. It's still a trip to me that God loves and welcomes me. Listen to the 116th Psalm. It says, how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? And the answer is you can't like ever. All I can do is take a part of me and give it to him and to others. Uh, somewhere along the way, we've got to start to realize that it's all his. My time is his, my home is his, my kids are his, my breath is his, my body is his, my day is his, everything is his. Here's a verse to sum that up. It says, everything comes from you and we've given you only what comes from your hand. Like I'm only able to give it because he gave it to me in the first place. I'm, I'm just so grateful that like there's, there's actually this really great story in Exodus 13 and I, I won't read all the scriptures for the sake of time, but let me just give you the, the just of it. God says to the children of Israel, like when you're sacrificing the Passover lamb and, and your kid comes in and asks you why you're doing that, explain to them, son, there was a time when I was in a pit. Maybe even lift up your shirt and show them the scars that are left over from your slavery. And when you show them the scars, tell them, even though I was in a pit, he rescued me. And so now, because he rescued me, I'm in a personal covenant, unbreakable relationship with him. So giving is the least that I can do. I think we need to be teaching our kids. The reason that we do this is because like there was a time when we didn't act like Jesus people. Like for me, when I was 20 years old, God pulled me out of the pit. He saved me and he blessed me. So giving, geez, it's just the least that I can do. And so because of that, I love to give. Here's the last one is give intentionally. You know, the Bible encourages us over and over, not to just be random with our acts of kindness. Like, like we need to be mindful to connect those acts back to Jesus. It even goes so far as to tell us not to do it out of emotion. Don't do it because someone showed you a picture or told you a sad story. Don't let a church or an organization, a Facebook campaign or Sarah McLaughlin with her puppies convince you first of all to give or second of all, how much to give. He says, instead, make up your own mind how much you're gonna give. But when you do it, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. In fact, the Bible gives us a filter. It says, be generous intentionally. And here's the reason why. It's the word eternity. 
At the end of the day, the reason we give to people is so we can get the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. The reason why we'd give coats to shelters or shoe boxes to kids in Africa, why we'd give a huge tip to a server or go through a drive-through and pay for the car behind us is only because of Jesus' love. And here's what happens. Anytime you give intentionally with the filter of eternity and point your giving back to Jesus, there's a promise that's activated. And the promise is you can't outgive God. And whether you do it for this reason or not, God is going to bless you right back. It's just going to happen. It's just the law of it. It's the heart behind the analogy in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I mean, doesn't that just make sense? Like if you were God and you saw someone being really generous, wouldn't you just continue giving generously to them because you know they're going to give generously to others? I mean, later on in the passage, it says God supplies seed to the sower. God's God's got piles and piles of seed and he's looking for people to give them to. And he gives them to people who will give them away to other people. I love this line by Warren Buffett. You can have whatever opinion you want about him or about the guy he's talking about, but this is a great line that really pushes us to recognize why we give. Buffett said, I'm not very good at giving money away. So I gave mine to Bill Gates because he's really good at giving it away. 27 years ago, a guy named Scott Sneer, he shared Jesus with me. Me, a dirty, mean, angry, foul-mouthed, violent thief who never gave anything away. But this guy, he, he had a little extra Jesus. And one day he gave some to me. I knew that guy for one school year. And here's an interesting fact. I never saw him share Jesus with anyone else. It wasn't natural for him. He wasn't very good at it. But it turns out I was. And because of his generosity, thousands upon tens of thousands of people have been given the opportunity to meet Jesus because of the seed that Scott sowed in my life. And so today, I want to sow that same seed in your life. I want to share the same Jesus who dramatically changed my life. I I want to share the same Jesus who pulled me out of the pit, saved me, and blessed me because giving, it is the least that I can do. Would you close your eyes? You know, salvation, as we call it in the church, it is the ultimate act of giving. It is Jesus, our Savior, looking at us lost, damaged, stranded in a pit, reaching down, pulling us out and giving us access to a personal relationship with him. And today, maybe you're in that pit, maybe particularly in the middle of a pandemic, the pit seems particularly deep. There's really only one answer. The answer doesn't come in a vaccine. The answer doesn't come in election results. The answer only comes through Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. And so if you're watching this and you say, Sean, I am in a pit and I need to be rescued and I need to be pulled out. What you need is Jesus. And so we're going to give you the opportunity to have a personal relationship with him. And it's really easy to do that. The Bible says that if you acknowledge with your mouth that you're a sinner and that you believe that Jesus can save you, then you will be saved and you begin a a new life. You enter into a relationship with him. 
And so I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. And here's how we're going to, is in just a moment, I'm gonna say a few lines of a prayer and then I'm gonna pause. And when I pause, if you repeat them after me and you mean them in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. So if you need Jesus, if you're in the pit and you need to be rescued or saved, will you say this? Will you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you come into my life, change me, make me different, make me new, be my Lord, be my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, welcome back to Solid Ground. So we want the opportunity to walk this journey out with you. So if you'll help us help you and just reach out to us and message us and let us know that you've received Jesus, then we want the opportunity to help you and to help you go from where you are to where you need to be, which is more like Jesus. But we're not done. Maybe you're watching this and you're a Jesus guy or a Jesus girl, but you say, "Uh, Sean, I just haven't been living generously. And you say, maybe I need to try that because you want some seed to sow. If that's you, I want to pray for you. So God, today we love you. Thank you for the seeds that you've sown in our life. Help us to live our lives more generously. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.